0: You want your five star matches? (laughs) You want your thirty minute classics? (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Big meaty man slapping me. What is good, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Slapping Mead Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, We Too Deep 413. Um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, go back a few days. Go back to last Saturday's episode where, where I broke down SmackDown. Right? And I sat there and said, bro, this was a hard watch. And it was. But I don't think nothing's going to change. Here's why. The ratings for this show were higher than the week before. With certain quarter-hour length segments. The highest rated I've ever seen wrestling in the 10-plus years that I've watched wrestling. In a long time. What I mean by quarter-hour is the Nielsen ratings, which is where we get all the ratings from. They do their ratings, their ratings. Now, we don't get to see the 15-minute marks, but the the network and, and Triple H and, and the people in WWE will get to see the 15-minute marks. And a lot of times that data gets shared with, with the journalists and, and all of that, right? And I'm sure you could find it at some point on the internet. I didn't want to go look it up. I'm sure I could find it. But what I do know is from a tweet, I forgot where I got the tweet from. I'm not going to go back and look it up. Um, Even though it was a hard watch, the ratings speak for themselves. What do I mean by that? The the, the tweet said the second quarter hour, which means 8.15 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right. This is the part of the, the tribal court No commercials, right? It goes uninterrupted. It's the back end, the last 15 minutes of it, right? Had more than 3 million viewers and had about 1.25 million viewers in the key 18 to 49 demo that Tony Khan likes to hoop and holler about. This is the highest I've ever seen a 15-minute if not any of that, right? This is the highest 15-minute rating that I've seen in wrestling in at least five to six years. You can't tell me WWE is not booming. Everything in WWE, all three shows, they're just clicking. Raw is banging. NXT banging. SmackDown banging. You can't tell me the WWE is not on a roll right now. right and but then there's the elephant in the room the average viewership for the for the whole show was about 2.5 which means you lost some viewers at some point now the person in me just kind of said, I want to figure out where you lost viewers what segments caused you to lose some viewers and was there people who turned off the tv when they realized we're not getting L.A. Night. Speaking of L.A. Night. This dude, go, dark match against Hit Row. WWE puts it on YouTube. And as of like 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I looked this up, because I, when I was writing my, my, my uh, overview, my script, it had 1.25, uh, excuse me, 1.2 million viewers. On a dark match, and and as much as I love Top Dollar, he's not the reason that motherfucking video drew 1.2 million people. Here's, Here's the point. As much as I don't think he's going to get over, as much as I don't think, this is just my personal opinion, I like LA Knight. I don't mind the gimmick, I don't mind, but I think he fits in a role, and he plays the role well. I don't think he's champion material, I just don't. I don't think just because you get a crowd reaction and you're over with the fans, that means you should get a championship. I, I just don't believe that. I believe you have to be the best, and and, and I don't think he's the best in the company. And I think, now I think he's better than Austin Theory. Absolutely give him the, the U.S. title. But there's so many people who are upset he he lost the money in the bank. Or that he won't get a world title opportunity. Unless, to be honest, he's not there. He's not that guy. Now, give him the U.S. title. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But 1.2 million views in three days? that That's for a dark match against Hit Row? Y'all got to put this man on TV. You can't leave him on dark. You can't put him on YouTube. He's gotta be on Fox. You you might average three million viewers if you put the bloodline and LA Knight on TV. Come on, boy, come on. But but here's the thing. And I'm gonna get some hate for saying this. WWE's this you know, if we were to go back and look up uh WWE ratings um for 2022 at this time in 2022 what would it have been um try trying to figure out how I want to Word search. I'm looking it up on 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 Google, literally as we speak. Uh, let's find out what the date would have been first. Friday night SmackDown ratings July would have been July eighth, twenty twenty two. Um, their ratings. Their ratings from July 8th, 2022, 2.14 million people. Excuse me, excuse me. 2.129. The week before that was 2.141. So 2.19 million viewers this time last year, 2.5 million this time. This year, you know, this past Friday, we look at uh Raw, that would have been like the 4th, the 3rd, it would have been the 4th, it would have been the July 4th ratings. The July Fourth ratings raw last year, this same week, one point five million. Now it is a holiday, but one point five million. Whereas raw, um, this year would have been the third. Yeah, so. Raw on the third. And let's just, it's actually just go Monday night, the 10th rating. 1.8. So they're up on SmackDown, they're up on Raw. Let's do NXT, would have been the 5th of July last year. Right? If we're going the same week. I think last year on the 5th, that was Great American Bash, so it was a special edition show, Uh, 593,000, whereas it would have been the 4th this year, and they did, again, holiday weekend, but they did... About five hundred and eight thousand um, on a holiday on a on the actual fourth whereas last year was on the fifth so they're down a little bit at nXt but they're averaging around six hundred thousand right so it's up a little bit in the average but the point that I'm trying to say is the ratings for w w e skyrocketing. They're better. They're doing so much better than they were this time last year. But if you look at AEW, and I don't like doing this, but if you look at AEW, you got a dynamite show, which hangs around 850, 890,000 people, down from the million around this time last year. You got a rampage show, which even at the 10 p.m. time frame is right I get that you still would be fair to say hey maybe you would want to expect around half a million 500,000 people right half 500,000 people. and you're sitting at like 350,000 people you get a collision show which is already peaking at being under what I would what I would say is good at five hundred thousand. I think that's fair. And you're hanging around there and your ratings overall down. But because you're right, but, but but Tony Khan sits here and says, Oh, we're the number one show on Wednesdays. Tony, you ain't got no fucking competition. There's nothing on TV on Wednesdays, Tony. You have Real Housewives of OC, and you have reruns of of Impractical Jokers, and you have have Gutfeld at ten p.m. Those are the shows you're competing against. None of which are going to draw, because you're the you're only you only point out the eighteen to forty nine. And that's not even your top segment, dude. You forget the you forget that your top segment is the twenty five to fifty-four, which lo and behold, I said was the most important, because that's where the wrestling fans are. And lo and behold, I was right again. But Tony sits here and says, We're the number one show on Wednesdays. Of course you're gonna be Tony. Sports are done. There's nothing on Wednesdays. No one puts a show on Wednesday. Have y'all ever noticed that? I mean, Survivor comes on when it's live and it's in a new season. But the, the big networks, the big shows, NCIS, right? When does when NC the NCIS shows come on? Monday nights. FBI. That's another big series. All three of the FBIs are on Tuesday nights. Fire cutting. I'm, I'm, I'm labeling CBS shows because these are the shows that I watch. Um... But on NBC, you have uh, the Chicago's, which I think those are on Wednesdays, but they're out of season right now. The um, Fire Country's the number one new show on TV. CBS has, for, by the way, great show. Friday night, Blue Bloods. Friday night, the top shows are Monday, Tuesday, or Friday. And Tony, nothing's on Wednesday. You're gonna be the highest in that in that demo that you focus on because you have no competition. I did. This is the thing. Like Tony, shut the fuck up sometimes. Because here's the thing that drives me crazy. They'll sit. The, the fans will sit here and post this shit. Tony says we're the top show on Wednesdays, and they'll repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. But then, like two two sentences later, we'll say. Ah, but see, the ratings don't matter. So which one is it? Which, which, you can't have it both fucking ways. Which way do you want it? Right, but, right, so, right, the point that I was trying to make is SmackDown was tough to watch, but they ain't changing shit because it's the highest rated segment that we've seen in years in the wrestling business. Business is good in WWE, man. Now it's not the it's not great it's not the best. I always have to sit here and and remind myself hey at the peak, wrestling had ten to twelve million people watching. We're nowhere close to that. I don't ever think we'll ever get back to that point. Right. the next thing I want to say is after this Monday Night Raw, I've come to the conclusion I'm a hundred percent sold on Judgment Day. Which if you would go back at six, not even a full year, if you would go back six months, I was sitting here saying Judgment Day had no purpose. There was no reason for him. Because this is what I mean that booking is 90% of the business. This is what I mean when I said that, right? When I brought up Omos, you know, several months ago. And we had that whole discussion, guys in the Discord, we had that whole argument. And I sat here and my argument was booking is the reason Omos is not getting over. I don't mean to be like proud and arrogant, but I know what I'm fucking talking about. Because six months ago, Judgment Day wasn't doing jack shit that was worth anything. And guess what? Because the booking changed, they feel dangerous and strong because of booking. Nothing changed in the group. It's the same four members. They're basically doing the same shit. But you know what changed? The booking. Dom didn't. Sp- Dom doesn't speak anymore. He has his little stick because Dom sucks on the microphone. And so, guess what? The booking played into. Hey, they're gonna boo you anyway. So let them boo you, and don't actually get your promo, and let Rhea do the talking for you. Right, but when I sat there, and this is a direct comparison. I hate to bring this back up, but we're going we have to bring I have to bring this back up now that I'm talking about it. Six months ago, we had people calling for for Dominic Mysterio to be sent to NXT. I've heard so many times Dominic should have started in NXT. He needs practice. He should have started in NXT. But, but WWE doesn't do it, but instead, they change the booking. And now Dominic Mysterio is quite literally probably the biggest heel in the fucking company. Because it's not about needing practice. It's right He's decent enough in the ring. He can tell a story in the ring. And he's good enough at the gimmick that he's playing to get it over. Especially since he's in a role where he doesn't have to talk. He, he can say two or three words. The crowd boos him. And then Rhea Ripley takes over the promo. It's not about, you know, they have the gimmick. You know what changed? The booking did. So so, so I'll bring this in. And I only do this because the guy I had the argument with tried to take a victory lap on this argument, thinking that he won. Right? Because his point was, oh, you guys said I, we shouldn't send Omos to NXT. But so I'm gonna take this victory lap because now you're cheering for it when they send guys like Dana Brooke and 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 Corbin and 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 guys like that down and 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 I'm only talking about this because I I literally tried to exp- I've explained this point numerous times in this podcast and I tried to explain it in the Discord and it sort of just got ignored. It, it this is the way I took it. Um where he just sort of ignored the point. I'm not trying to start an argument. I'm literally trying to have a conversation. They're two different things, right? His point in the argument was Omos needs to go down to get practice. He's not good on the main roster, which he's not. We can agree with that. But 99% of the reason he's not over is because they haven't booked him strong to look the way he should look. And my argument to him was he doesn't need to go to NXT because if he goes to NXT and is booked the same way he's booked right now, none of that fucking matters. My point was he just needs to be booked to be strong, just like they've booked Dominic Mysterio in the Judgment Day to be strong. And now they feel strong because booking is 90% of the business. Right, and so I explain it's two separate things, right? Because you want Omos to get practice, that but infiltrating him in anything other than fighting for the NXT title and winning makes no sense of sending him down there. Whereas you're sending Corbin down as a veteran, who more than likely either is either going to be pinned in every match which doesn't hurt him because that's what he's already doing and it benefits the guys who beat him, right? That's why you send the people like a Ziggler or, you know, when AJ Styles made his appearance or when Seth Rollins makes his appearance, right? That That's to get Braun Breaker over as a main roster star. There was an intention there. Just to send Omos down to get practice, it does nothing if he doesn't dominate every person in NXT, which would just fuck up the entire story of NXT. And so I have case study. I literally have a case study. I can show you that I'm right about this shit. And again, I don't mean to sound arrogant and proud because that's not who I am. Because, And first off, it's not that deep. But I literally have a case study. Dominic Mysterio is this case study. People have been calling for him to go to NXT since the start of him versus Rey Mysterio. And I I sat there, and I was even at one point in favor of sending him to NXT. But you sit here and you look at what they did. They didn't send him to NXT. You know what they did? They changed its fucking booking. So you know how you get Omos over? You know how you make him strong? You change its booking. You give him a big win when it fucking matters. Not against jobbers, not against enhancement talent. But a match against Brock Lesnar where it wouldn't have hurt Brock to take the loss, you, you give Omos the win there. That was my whole point. Back to today's episode, though. Right? I'm completely sold on the Judgment Day. I enjoy Dominic. I enjoy Damian. This tension between Finn Balor and and, and Damian, Priest. The tension between them. Right? One minute they're 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 against each other, the next minute they're buddy buddy. Ultimately I feel that this leads to Finn Balor getting Seth Rollins again at SummerSlam, beating Seth Rollins at SummerSlam, and either a cash in at SummerSlam or later down the line, Damian Priest takes his opportunity and cashes in on Finn Balor, and we can get that, that, that feud. And the impl- I don't want to say the implosion, but the, the sort of fight infighting between the judgment day which could lead in and Finn Balor getting replaced or Finn Balor just getting removed. Rhea Rhea Ripley may just be the number one person on the roster, man or woman. Rhea Ripley may just be the best professional wrestler on the fucking planet right now. I'm not going to say she is, but she could be. There is an argument to say that she's the best wrestler on any promotions roster. She's that damn good. Now, let me tell you how sold I am on Judgment Day. I don't buy shirts from WWE anymore. Here's why. I get my size, which they hardly have in stock. I'm a bigger dude. It's cool. It is what it is. I've learned to under and I've come to understand that hey, I've made choices to where I'm a bigger dude, not every company's going to cater to the fact that i I don't fit in a standard size that people sell. I understand that luckily wWE sells my s- sells shirts in my size. however, these shirts they're great quality, but you accidentally mistakenly dry the shirt one time. You don't air hang it up or, or, or dry it some other way other than the dryer. You're fucked. The shirt's done, right? So you might get one use out of it. At least for me. Now, because here's my problem. It's not that I'm just wide and fat as fuck. I'm fine to say what it is. I'm not over here trying to hide shit. It's not that I'm just fat as fuck. I'm fucking 6'3", too. So, like, the the, the shirts shirts aren't made for... For tall and fat people on these websites. Because they don't... A lot of them don't sell big and tall. So they're not made for... Right? Because the average male height is like 5'8 to 5'10. And so that's that's the way that they make their shirts. For most companies. They may make them for like a 6 foot guy. But I'm 6'2, six 6'5 six if you're on Tinder. On <laughs> um, and so I don't fit... Like if I find a shirt that fits me and feels comfortable with my wideness, more than likely the arms go up and the belly showing because it's not long enough. Right? And so I don't buy WWE shirts anymore. I bought a fucking Judgment Day shirt. That new shirt with the, the four little cartoon characters of, of each guy, uh, each person in the group. I fucking bought it. I don't, I just love the Judgment Day. They're, they're entertaining as shit. When they're on TV. I just love them. Right? But 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 what changed? The booking. The booking changed. You booked them to feel strong. Rhea Ripley wins a title. Damian Priest wins a lot of big matches. He's now Mr. Money in the Bank. Finn Balor's fighting for championships. And Dom's a little bitch boy being pulled by all of them. But he plays that role so fucking well. And it works. The booking changed. Nothing else changed. Rhea didn't get any better. Dom didn't get any worse or better. Finn didn't get any better. They've always been good. What sucked was the booking. So when I, like, and again, I'm not saying I'm the ultimate authority on, on what's right in wrestling. But a lot of times when I form an opinion, I form it based on what's, we've already seen in wrestling and I literally have no life I'll just be completely honest with you right I literally like at work if there's nothing to do I sit here and practice this podcast and what I'm going to say it's just the person I am like I'm the type of person that'll pace around the room before I make a phone call trying to practice the phone call even though I don't know what the phone call is going to be about 99% of the time Right, because how many of you've ever done that? Like you, you paced around the room. You practice the phone call. You know, maybe you're calling a company. You know, I, I'll give an example. Like at work today, you know, I had the we were looking for a new landscaper at the at the the facility that I work at. So I had to call some landscapers today, and and, and I always have to practice this call. And so I'm walking around the office, and I'm sitting there saying. You know, going over this call of what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it to make sure I get it across. And the conversation doesn't go anywhere close to what I practiced it to be. Right. But, but I literally sit here and think about what I'm going to say and my opinions on wrestling like 24 seven. I could sit here and argue it all night. I love it. But I try to make my opinions as logical as fucking possible. Booking is 90% of the show. That's the whole idea. Because it is a show. And so it doesn't... You don't have to be the best promo guy. You don't have to be the best looking. You don't have to be the best athlete. You know what you need? You need the guys in the back to believe in you. And to write you good shit. You know what's changed? Triple H took over. And he gave them good shit. And now they're the strongest faction in the company right now. They're the bloodline for Monday Night Raw. And I know I'm harping on this point. But I'm just sitting here like like we literally have a case study for this. And I'm not going to say you go out and you make Omos the strongest and he's going to get over. But you don't send them down to NXT to lose matches. I'm. I just. I just. Again, I don't understand the argument. I just don't. And so, I I don't like to harp on it, but I. I literally. Like I literally was writing my script notes, and I was sitting here and I was was literally thinking about how much I didn't like Dom and now I like Dom and what changed. And then it came to me. The booking changed, and then the next thought that came to me was like, "Holy shit, I'm fucking right. I'm right about this shit with Omas. It's about the booking. Here's a case study: Dominic fucking Mysterio. You want another case study? Sammy fucking Zane. Dude was doing matches with Johnny Knoxville. Gets better booking in the Bloodline. Has a match at Elimination Chamber for the title." And is now at WrestleMania winners of the tag team champions. Now, since then, it's been a little lame. But 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 I I have this way of trying to think and and, and navigate my opinions logically. I don't like to be wrong. It, that's part of it. But I also I don't say I don't like stupid. And so, and like I said. Months ago when we were when I made my podcast about it. You can go back to the one I'm pretty sure it has OMOS in the title somewhere. Um but I always say this I all when I think of an opinion or, or, or belief thing that I believe, I always try to draw that idea to its furthest extent. And I don't think a lot of people think that way. I have a very unique way of thinking, I believe. Right. And so if. If my belief system is that blue, which we know it is. But if my opinion was the sky is blue and you thought the sky was green. I would try to find a way to draw your opinion to the farthest extent to prove against the fact of that your opinion is wrong. Now, that's a bad example. Um but if if you if you think that yeah you know, I'll just use the Omos example again I've already explained this but the, I think it's time to talk about it again a little bit you know if your opinion is Omos needs to go to NXT to get practice or whatever the fuck the, the opinion is there's two ways that can go He goes to NXT, he dominates and ruins everybody else's stories that are already established, but he gets over, so you sacrifice the careers of future younger stars that are already better than Omos to get Omos over. Or the second way is he comes in, he takes some losses, and he restarts, but it's no different than the main roster, so you draw both of those to the furthest extent of the theory, and none of it makes sense. Whereas, with my opinion, you leave him up here, you have him beat Austin Theory and win the the U.S. championship, or you have him beat, I wouldn't have him beat Gunther, I just don't think that's realistic, but you have him beat Theory for the U.S. championship, you give him the mid-card, you feed him the mid-card, and he beats him, and he looks strong, and now he's a legitimate champion who can go against someone like an L.A. Knight who's better than him. He can get beat by L.A. Knight, or something like that, he can then be placed into a position for the world title. So you draw it to its furthest extent, and it makes sense. That was That's the point that I'm trying to make. And it's a different situation than sending Baron Corbin to NXT to get the younger talent over. Corbin's not winning the fucking NXT title down there. His whole goal was to give Carmelo Hayes a, a, a main roster victory. He beat Baron Corbin, who was a main roster guy. U.S. champ, right? It's that that type of push, right? So, at the end of the day, I'm going to stand by this opinion till I'm dead. Booking is 90% of the show. I'm stoned on Judgment Day. Why? They changed the booking. It's so much better. They're over with me. And because they changed the booking, because they made the booking for Judgment Day better, they made money. Because I bought a shirt. That's that's literally the process of of how to run the wrestling business. You find something that clicks. You give them a good some good shit to perform. You make money. That's literally the wrestling business one hundred and one, right there. Um, there's not much else to talk about in the world of wrestling right now. Um, so we're going to go to topics from Discord like we always do. Um, so username Kara Danvers. Um, you know, during Raw mentions the want for Rhea and Solo to have some sort of altercation or match. Um, and so the question I took out of that, there wasn't really a question, it was a statement But I made it a question because I think it's something I want to talk about. Should WWE embrace intergender wrestling? Now, I've talked about this before, I'm pretty sure, on this show. If not, my opinion, you know, years ago, you know, even as early as like six months ago, my opinion on intergender wrestling was it should should not exist. I I didn't understand the idea, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of, the logistics of men versus women fighting. Just from a especially for a child's TV show aimed at children like WWE has historically been showing a man and a woman fighting, I don't I just wouldn't think would sell right with parents. However, my opinion has changed a little. I think for ninety percent of the circumstances, yes, there's no need for intergender wrestling. However, if it makes sense and is realistic looking, I think I'm down for it. Now there's only like 3 or 4 people in all of wrestling that I would be okay with this happening. And they're all in WWE. Natalia, Charlotte, Bianca, Rhea Ripley. Those are the only four women's wrestlers, especially Rhea. Rhea's definitely got that China, like, push and, and look. Where she could go into and fight men, and it could be realistic. However, it needs to be Rhea and Solo, or someone similar in, in stature and size to Solo, but it can't be Rhea and Brock. Rhea Ripley can't step up to Brock Lesnar and and it be realistic that Brock Lesnar would not just eat her to pieces. It's Rhea, Charlotte, Bianca's there, and maybe Natalia. But I don't want to see Selena Vega fight a man. It's not realistic. Any man on that roster in a real fight with Selena Vega would beat her in three seconds. What, Rhea Ripley, I can ju- I can justify Rhea Ripley beating some of the men on that roster's ass. I, c- I can see that happening. All right, so username Kara Danvers also asked the question, and this is I love this question so much, I really do. The question was. Um, And I'm going to read it in its fullness and entirety from the Discord. I didn't write it down because it is a bit long. Um, Let me find where it's at first. (laughs) Um, Here it is right here. All right. If WWE or AEW signed you as a superstar or wrestler today, you get all of your creative control. What is your gimmick, entrance music, or move sets? Here's the criteria. If signed by WWE, Vince or Triple H, or if signed by AEW, Tony will not be involved. Your entrance music cannot be expensive and expensive streaming right, sort of like Brian Danielson's um, and there's a clause in your contract that the first night if you don't get over with the crowd you will be fired what are you doing this is a creative ass question because that criteria is hard You right that criteria is hard you essentially have a, a long term contract with the, one of the top two countries uh, <laughs> One of the top two companies in the country, in the world, really. But there's a clause in your contract that if you, the day you debut, that contract is essentially a one-day contract. Because if you're not over by the end of that show, by the end of your segment, you when you walk past those gates, you might as well just pack your bags. Right? It's one of those things where, like, you sign this contract, we're going to debut you, and you better not bring a lot of shit you better have your bags packed before you walk out the curtain because if it doesn't go well for you, if this thing doesn't get over, you're going home with a pink slip. This is tough, man. And luckily for her, and I and I already explained my answer to her, so I'm going to read my answer. So I've had this wrestling name since, like, 2K16 is the name I've stuck with. um, In 2K and in real life. This would be my real wrestling name. Uh, Bennett Randleman, so if you watch Queen City Pro Wrestling, Bennett Randleman is me in my dream form. Like, if I was an athlete, like, that's my dream uh, backstory and whatever. Now, the Bennett Randleman on Queen City Pro Wrestling that I do is not the same gimmick that I would run here. I would run the Sovereign Bennett Randleman, a narcissistic heel that thinks he's a god and that no one can beat him. He is a faction of minions that worship him as God and guarantees victory. The music would be an evil-sounding church organ, like one of those dark, like, creepy church organs, um, because of the, the play on the god-like character, and the, the gimmick would make tons of references to world religions and cults. I think that can get over if I have 100% creative control. Now, now I would do this and I would make sure the clause states, you know, by debut, that means the night that I first show up on camera because I would ask for a full month of build to this, a, a full month of build before I'm there live with vignettes and and. You know, a month of basically explaining the gimmick before it's on TV. Now, maybe this is breaking the rules a little bit of the criteria, but I, th- I think this gimmick requires some sort of introduction before I show up, because then the lights go out, the organ starts playing, and I'm there. And I went, and I've already sort of pre-planned this in my head. This is something I've thought about for like months. Like, this is a gimmick, right? It starts similar to, um, it starts similar to, like, the Bloodline story and that I beat the minions and force them into submission and worship of me, right? And it's a narcissistic paranoia-type gimmick. Where I think that, I, right, and, and, and it, it plays illusion. I love history, and I love world religions, and I would use all of it. It would it would be creative as fuck if I had full creative control. But it would be simple as shit, too. What's the motivation? I think I'm, I literally, like, the motivation is I think I'm God, and I'm better than everyone. That's the motivation. Now, I do have a problem with this assumption, And that is complete creative control. Because I don't think any wrestler ever should have complete creative control. And so, hey, that's a cool premise. I don't think it's realistic because at the end of the day, Tony Khan as Booker has to be able to book his show. And if I say, no, I'm not losing, that creates a lot of fucking issues. Just look at Bash at the Beach 2000. But still, a great question. I love those that ask me to be creative because I'm not typically creative by nature, like normally. And so these questions that ask me to be creative, I love them. Keep them coming. Um, This next question, I believe, was from uh, DJ Wavy D. I believe the rest of these questions is by DJ Wavy D, except for the last one, which was by The Witters, I think, on the Discord Which, if you want to join the Discord, um, go to the Casual Community YouTube page. By the way, we'll go ahead and plug this. Friday nights, we're going to live stream SmackDown. It's going to be Nerdy D. It's going to be me. It's going to be Gossamer21. For now, we're going to have the Discord chat on the screen. Um, Maybe we'll figure, you know, as as this thing grows, we'll add, you know, on a rotation, some of the other people on the Discord. But the only way you get to be at it is if you're part of the Discord community. So go to the casual... It'll be streamed on the Casual Community YouTube page. And uh, we'll... Again, we'll stream with SmackDown. Watching it live. Um, We started it last week with Just Nerdy D talking. And he didn't like talking by himself, which I can completely understand. Um... And so it was fun. Uh, I, I liked it. It was it was entertaining to watch. Um and, and it's a great way to build a community that's not just like a figurehead asking for, for followers. He really wants he really wants to and I really want to. And a lot of the core members here really just want to build community within wrestling. Because that's what makes it fun. Like I'm gonna be completely honest, wrestling is stupid as shit. If it's not for the friendships and and stuff that you can build, right? And and while I've never met a, a single one in this Discord community, I literally feel like they are friends. I would go to a wrestling show with them any day of the fucking week. I'm not even kidding, right? There, there, there's a part of me that, like, I, I wish, like, money wasn't an issue. Because if money wasn't an issue for all of us in the Discord, we'd all be going to fucking SummerSlam, having a grand old time as the casual community. Right. And I would even reckon that we should do like I wouldn't want to say like meet and greet. But eventually what I would like to do, uh, maybe this is just a venture that 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 I would like to do is. If this thing grows to, to where there's like brand recognition to have some of the key members of the of the of the community, you know, at these shows if it's within a reasonable time, like I'm not driving to California or flying to California. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing it. (laughs) But like, if if there's like a pay-per-view in Atlanta or whatever and going to these shows, like a, a a big pay-per-view, like a rumble or something and doing like a podcast live, that would be fucking wonderful. Just doing like a live casual community, like Q and a podcast live from a pay-per-view, like, tailgate because you we, i tailgated at wrestlemania the year that i went in orlando like people people tailgate and that would be fun just to, like wrestlemania at in wrestlemania philly like if all of us could just go to philly that would be great right but anyway back to these questions <laughs> um so i think the next three year from dj wavy d he 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 should get you know credit for this episode of of uh assistant producer because he literally during raw last night wrote half of my show essentially, uh, in terms of questions that he asked. Um, so his first one that I'm going to talk about, he, he says there's an obvious talent gap in the women's division as we talked about on the discord. Um, how do we weed out lower tier talent while still preserving the enhancement talent? Um, I don't know if there's a correct answer to this question. So the way that I would do it, and I've always talked about this is I feel the roster for WWE is too big. I just think it's too large, especially in the women's division. And so the first thing I do is you trim the fat, right? So steak is fantastic. Brisket is fantastic. But if you don't trim brisket before you cook it and you just leave all that fat on there, now you want some fat on your brisket to make it taste good. It, there is flavor there. But if you don't trim it and you just leave it and it's all fatty, fatty brisket's gross to me, at least to me. Um, but, like, have you ever taken a bite of a steak and it was all fat because they didn't do a good job trimming the steak? It's the worst bite ever, right? As much as people would say fat tastes good, it's the worst bite ever. It's chewy. There's some flavor there, but it's chewy, and it's just not good, right? So you gotta tri- we got to trim the fat. Anyone on the roster that isn't necessary should not be there. And that's the way that I feel about it. And so you trim the fat. You get rid of those. Second. We have to. This is the most important thing. You have to create a mid-card title. Because, especially, like, think on Raw. Rhea Ripley is just walking around playing playing with the Judgment Day with no storyline. Now, it's obvious they're pointing to towards her and Raquel. But if, in the meantime, you had a mid-card title for the rest of the women on the roster to fight after... It would feel like they're more important. Same thing with SmackDown. Why you got Charlotte and Asuka and Bianca fighting for something, the rest of the SmackDown roster is just in limbo. So if they had a mid-card belt on both brands for the women's division, it would make them feel more important. You would have something for them to fight for. So that's the biggest issue with... Those are the two biggest issues with the women's division in WWE. It's too large. There's only two belts. And we got the tag belts, but does anyone actually want those? And for singles competitors, you're not going for that, that, right? So you have two singles belts in your women's division on the main roster. You have to give them something to fight for to make it feel important. All right, so the next question he asks, with so much talent on NXT, many of whom may be ready for the main roster, how do we bring in young talent and let them shine while also respecting the vets? Um, I hope I reworded that question correct uh, in a way that you were actually wording it. Um, but my answer is that TV time. Needs to go to those who bring the most benefit to the show and not for just a certain type of right. So, you shouldn't just be like, Oh, you can't have vets, you only need new guys because it's the next. No, 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 TV time, no matter what, should go to the people who are most deserving of TV time, right? This is why I'm fine with the bloodline and getting an hour, you know, in retrospect. Now, the segment should have only gone 20 minutes, they didn't need an hour for it. But if they had booked and it was paced properly and they got an hour, it wouldn't be a problem. Right? It wouldn't have been a problem. Like, the Bloodline deserve an hour on TV because they're the best story in WWE right now. But the problem with Friday's story was it just took too long and it didn't need to. But if they had booked properly good, not lazy booking for an hour of TV for the Bloodline, I think it would have been great. Um, But TV needs to go to those who benefit the show the most. However, at the same time, you do need to grow new talent. This brings me to a point here. I love how WWE recruits talent. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look at AEW, how do they get their new new signees? How do they get their new talent? They scout the indies. They bring in people who were trained wrestlers, whether they're trained under the some local guy that probably is shit for cheap, or whether they're trained by the best training schools in the country or or the world. They bring in people who are previously trained who can wrestle and more than likely probably have bad habits. WWE says we're not going to waste our time doing that no more. What's the method? We're going to hire athletes who have no wrestling experience. And what are we going to do? We're going to train them in our method. We're going to make sure we don't have to retrain bad habits. We're going to train them the way we want them to wrestle on our show. And it's so much easier. Think about it. If WWE signed Will Ospreay, who arguably to the IWC is one of the, if not the best, wrestler in the world. If they signed Will Ospreay, he has bad habits that they probably won't like. The number one of them is he drops people on their fucking neck. (laughs) Um, And so, you know what they do? Instead of having to retrain Will Ospreay, and you're going to have to pay Will Ospreay a shit ton of money to come to you, and then you're going to have to retrain him. So what do you do? You go to these colleges. You pay them a little bit to be brand ambassadors when they graduate college. And, and either and, and you know most of them are undrafted football players or they're wrestlers who you know have nothing to do as a career and this is the way they can make a career out of it or they're track stars or gymnasts or whatever right They get this opportunity at a contract. They're paid you know super cheap in relative relativity to the rest of the roster. They go to the performance center, they train, they learn. they don't have the bad habits that you have to retrain. You get them on TV and they look like athletes. Let me give an example Kalani Jordan on NXT. And four minutes of TV time, she's better than. Some, like, there are women's wrestlers. There are men wrestlers in the same boat as well who literally look like they've never played a play in sports ever. They're the most unathletic, uncoordinated motherfuckers I've ever seen. And it annoys me. When we call wrestling a sport, but we have people who look the complete opposite of athletes, who have no business being in a sport. There are just some people on this earth who should never participate in sports. They're so uncoordinated. They trip when they walk, they trip on air. They just don't deserve to be on sports. It's not wrong to say that. But you get these athletes. <laughs> And they look like athletes, and they run like athletes, and they perform like athletes, and they've been in big pressure situations. Hey, look, Braun Breaker was born for this shit. Was Kennesaw State playing for national championships? No. But they had rivalries and big game moments, and I'm sure him at running back has had some big plays where they needed him to get a first down. He understands pressure. This is nothing new to him. And his explosiveness in the ring? Come on now, man. I would take 14 brawn breakers over one Will Ospreay, who has bad habits, is dangerous, could care less about, and I'm not going to say he personally doesn't care about the health of of the person he's with, but doing a Tiger driver, I'm sorry, I start the question if you care about the long-term health of the person you're in the ring with when you guys actively decide, hey, we're going to drop you on your neck. I'm I'm sorry. NXT's NIL program, their next in line, their developmental program, I would prefer that method every day over just going and finding random indie talent who you have no idea where they were trained, are they good, do they have bad habits, right? And that, that that's just the way that that I feel. But I think we also need to recognize NXT is now seen at least from the the looks of things as a legitimate third brand and not just development. So I personally, I don't think we're going to see any more call-ups. Or if we do get call-ups, it won't be as regular. And I really think it'll be, like, branded as a trade. Or they wait till they do a draft each year and then we we see roster movement. Because the way I think they're going to do this is going to have three distinct rosters. You're going to have your NXT guys. Braun Breaker, Carmelo, Trick, Tiffany. Who represent NXT. Cora, JC Jane, Gigi Dolan. These people represent NXT. I don't think we get them caught up. And th- th- they're on a brand, right? And then you have your, like, Bloodline and Usos and LA Knight and Austin Theory. And and Charlotte. That's SmackDown, that, right? That's a SmackDown superstar, right? And maybe we have a yearly draft and the rosters get shooken up. And maybe Carmelo then goes to-, to Raw, right? But... I don't think we'll have quote-unquote call-ups anymore. I, I literally think they see NXT as a third brand. It's not developmental anymore. It's not the minor leagues and then you get called up to the majors. This is the major league. It's just the third brand. It's a third thing. Right? That's the way I feel NXT is... It's felt right. And what I feel they're trying to do is trying to create, like, brand recognition and facial recognition and, and awareness and having a solid, never-changing roster on each brand will definitely help with that movement. And I, I think that's where they'll eventually will go. Um, I hope that answered the question also. But I, but I, but that also means that like veterans can go to NXT and it not be seen as a, a demotion. You just got drafted by NXT. And it's a third brand, not developmental. I've always said this now. Developmental happens before you air on NXT. Developmental happens at the PC behind the scenes. Once you step foot on NXT TV now, you're considered big time. You're not going to have... You know, six months to try to make it on NXT before you get caught up or fired. No, no, no. You're on the main roster. You're in the majors. The second you step TV, step on TV on NXT. I I really believe that's the way they treat the company now. Two more questions and then we'll end it. I know this has been a longer episode than the last two. Uh, DJ Wavy D then ends his questions, which I love his questions. Um, what is a ratio to make a great superstar? The idea is that you have Mike skills, personality, in ring ability, or excuse me, Mike skills, in ring ability, looks and marketability, and I put personality in, in along with Mike skills, right? So it's Mike skill and personality as one thing, in ring ability. Attractiveness or looks of the overall marketability. The same four things that I I'm doing my slapping brackets on Saturdays with, right? Those same things. Those are the four parts of, of wrestling. Of what makes a wrestler, right? And, and then what's the ratio of those things? Like rate them and importance, right? And so for me, my skills and personality is the most important. Here's why. You can be the greatest wrestler ever. But if your personality is drier than a paper bag or wetter than a wet sock, I don't care. Like, if your personality is just awful, you can't talk, you can't sell anything. I don't want you on my company. I don't want you on TV. Here's the thing. Part of your job, like literally the reason you promo, the reason you go to the ring or you do a vignette is to sell the show, sell merchandise, sell tickets, Sell the match. If you can't do that, you're not made for this business. There are some people who are like legends to the IWC in this business who can't sell a damn ticket if to save their fucking life, and shouldn't be in the fucking business because that's literally the business. Like, like when in the Carney days, that's how they would market. You did promos to market the show, and that's what this is. Let's just be honest. You're salesman. You're trying to sell SummerSlam. You're trying to sell the big match. And you're trying to sell the story. So if your personality and mic skills aren't there, I'm not watching. If you can't sell me on the reason why I should watch this, I'm not gonna watch. That's just plain and simple. That's the most important. I don't know like percentage wise where I would put that I would then say in ring ability and like attractiveness or looks is the next best things right and so you do you definitely have to be a wrestler like and again this is why I I prefer athletes over like let's just be honest cosplaying nerds because there's a lot of especially women's wrestlers who get in this to like Cosplay, like I'll i just use Roxanne Perez as an example. She's—I'm not going to say she's clumsy, and she's definitely not bad. But you can tell, more than likely, she's never played sports a day in her life. And if she has, she wasn't good at it. Now I'm gonna—I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm an all-star athlete, because uh, I'm not. Right, but. In ring, you have to be able to perform in the ring, and 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 go dis- the distance of the match, and you also have to have like that look. Now you don't have to be six foot eight, three hundred pounds, but but five ten, one fifty, like Adam Cole was at one point. That's not going to sell it to somebody. I could beat that up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like like Britt Baker is literally bigger than her boyfriend. <laughs> And I I always use that as the example because it makes you laugh. Britt Baker is taller and I think more built than Adam Cole. More muscular. (laughs) And it makes me laugh because that's insane. The least important to me is, is marketability, though. And that's because I feel... Like, like there are people that WWE doesn't put on posters that sell tickets. Like, I don't ever recall, like, seeing on a truck or seeing on any of these, you know, they they run the commercials when they're coming to your city. Hey, you know, I I see him all the time now because they're coming to Charlotte in September. Hey, Charlotte, where you at? LA Knight's not on there. But he's the fourth highest grossing merch in the company right now. So LA Knight's clearly not marketable to WWE in terms of putting him on posters and putting him on marketing material, but he's still selling. So I don't think you need to be overall like marketable to be a good wrestler. That's the least important to me, but you definitely need to sell me on the match. You don't need to be marketable, but you need to know how to market. You need to know how to sell. And promo. Because if you can't do that, it doesn't matter how good in the ring you are. I'm not gonna watch if you can't tell me why I should watch. And then we'll end with this last question. It was I'm pretty sure it was asked by the witters on the Discord. Um all right. If Triple H or excuse me, if you were Triple H after SummerSlam and Roman beats Jey Uso. Right? So so Roman wins at SummerSlam, but he is he gets hurt and he will be out of action for nine plus months. Severe injury. But Roman wins. How do you proceed? That's essentially the question. Knowing Roman Reigns can't physically compete, how do you proceed? Knowing that for nine months you won't have Roman Reigns. Now, you're not stripping Roman Reigns of the title. I'm just sorry. You're not going to have it happen. And you're not going to risk further injury by having him come out and, like, drop the title. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't fit the character. So what do I do? Well, it's business as usual. Roman wins. You don't discuss the injury on TV. He's not injured. He's on vacation. Because here's, here's how I see this. If, if Roman Reigns beats Jey Uso, who's, who else is there to beat? Who else is there to beat if he beats family? He, he's already beaten the whole roster. Now he's beaten the family. So what does he do? You have him do a promo after the show. Where he, and this could go on like TikTok or whatever, right? Where he says, I'll see you in nine months. Or, or hey, I'm going on vacation. I'm going back to the island. When someone steps up that's relevant, let me know. Right, And then what you do is you you do nine months worth of vignettes of him just sitting on the island, just relaxing. And you don't need to show whatever is injured. You don't even really need to show him. You can have Paul Heyman carry the story in live person as well. You can even have it to where... The Usos and the family, because they sort of turned on him, they now have to serve him, right? They were sitting in luxury, but now because they turned on him, they have to serve him. There's a way you can do this. Um, And you just have Roman there for nine months, and people are going to be irritated that he's holding the belts hostage. Which is the biggest excuse for, for for like, like I just want to complain. He's not holding them hostage. If, if the story's good, I don't give a fuck who the champion is. Right? And Then he returns, you know, 9, 10, 12 months later, the next SummerSlam. And you either have him, it depends on, you know, the booking alongside of it on who becomes number one contender. But the next thing you also you have to do is because there isn't a champ you have to make the United States champion the most important thing on SmackDown. There's an easy way to fucking do that. Give it to LA Knight. Like you know what would be the greatest blessing in LA Knight's career is if he wins the US title. Roman Reigns wins his match. But get hurt for nine months, and now the greatest thing on TV has to be the U.S. title, and La Knight, La Knight has it. La Knight will be the mega fucking superstar of the of the company. And that, that, you know that would be the biggest blessing for La Knight ever. But I think it's really simple. It's just business as usual. You'll continue to run the story. And then when he can return, he returns. You don't really need to change him up. There's no abort mission here. You just extend it. And you continue to be creative and doing the shit that you already do. I don't think you make it too complex. You can't. See, Here's the thing with Vince, right? Vince McMahon would have someone get hurt and he would go into full-blown panic trying to fix it because he had no backup plan. I think Triple H plans ahead for things. And I don't think he panics. As much. If Roman Reigns gets hurt and he and you still want him to be champion, you don't panic. You adapt. Okay, Roman, well, we gotta do vignettes. We know you're hurt. You know, you know. I would assume if it's a nine-month injury, it's like a torn tricep or something like that. Now, if it's if it's something like a torn tricep and, and he he's in a sling. Or if it's like a, a a leg injury, you could have it to be like I have the scars of battle, and I still won. I'm I'm still that good, right? And, and and you advance the character as look at what I've been through. I've I have the scar like I am physically altered. I should not have won this match. I'm unstoppable. That's where you make Roman Reigns right. You have him be this egotistical narcissistic pain in the ass that thinks he's the greatest thing ever. And then you have him lose when he comes back. That'd be fantastic. Right? So yeah, I don't think you got to I don't think you have to course correct too much if this happens. You just do business as usual. All right, let me know what you guys think I always on all these topics we talk about. Join the Discord, join the conversation. I'd love to hear what you guys had to say. Don't forget to check out uh Um, Queen City Pro Wrestling on on the Queen City Pro Wrestling YouTube page. Um, If you're in the Discord, the link will be posted when it is posted online. Um, As well as um, check out Friday's live stream on the Casual Community YouTube page. Like and subscribe there. Join the Discord to join the conversation as we live stream SmackDown. And, you know, again, join the conversation. You can post, you know, topic suggestions and stuff like that. Um, thank you to all who um, helped contribute to this show with these questions. And uh, thank you all who listened. I really do appreciate it. Um, we're we're closer and closer to episode 100. I want to say this is episode 89. Um, the correct number will be in the title. Um, but I, I do thank you all for listening. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Slapping Me to Wrestling Podcast. Have a great rest of your day.